1964, the first episode of this popular TV game show that is famous for the answer being the question aired for the first time. You didn't say it right. What is Jeopardy? Right? Okay. <clears throat> That's the TV show that makes me feel very inadequate when I watch it. I'll do pretty good on the $100 and $200 questions, and then I'm done. If that number seems a little bit off, 1964, that's a long time ago. Uh, it, it is true. That is when the first version or the first adaptation of the game show Jeopardy was aired. Um, there has been two or three since then. Uh, this last one, the current version that we all come to know and hate, I mean love, uh, has in its 39th season uh, on, on the air. And I know that uh, that doesn't seem like it has a whole lot to do with anything this morning except for some just mindless trivia, and that's probably what you get when I'm doing this at 11.30 last night and trying to figure out how I'm going to open up what God had given me. Um, but it does have a lot to do with it, and uh, we all have to start somewhere when we're trying to get to know someone. Amen? We're not born uh, with a divinely appointed knowledge automatically who people are, what they stand for, um, and things like that. For example, my son Brendan, who is also sick this morning and at home, he also is turning 15 years old today, and this is the fourth birthday in a row he's been sick on. Um, so yeah, I'll tell him y'all said, oh, uh, when I get home. <clears throat> but he, uh, he is really big into numbers and statistics and I wish I could tell you that had to do with math, but it doesn't. It has to do with sports, sports entertainment. Um, so, you know, he didn't, he wasn't born knowing the things that he now knows. Like, for instance, uh, Trevor, this NBA player holds the all-time record for free throws made in the playoffs with 1,463. Who? Who is Michael Jordan? Okay. So Brendan can tell you that's that. He'll answer that question, boom, he'd have won the daily double, no problem, okay? Because that's what he's into. But he's taken the time to educate himself on all the things that he enjoys. One of the things that I'm most thankful and proud of, and I say the word proud very cautiously, but one of the things I'm most thankful and proud of this morning as a father is that not only does Brendan but Tommy and Emma all know who Jesus is. I'm very blessed to stand before you this morning and say that I know, you know, that my children have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not because I see them in their walk, but I had the awesome opportunity to lead them to Jesus Christ as their dad. And I will never, ever, ever take that for granted. But it is something I think I'm allowed to be a little proud of uh, this morning. But to understand who Jesus is, we ultimately have to have first-hand knowledge. I heard a preacher one time say that to know who someone truly is, you have to know what someone truly is not. And that may not make sense now, but hopefully by the end of this, it'll all make sense. If you would this morning, um, just bear with me and pray for me. I'd appreciate that very much.
I found that, uh, that statement that that preacher made very profound. And I also found that there was a lot of accusations as to who and what Jesus Christ was and is still floating around to this day. If you'll open your Bible this morning to John chapter 11, verse 25, we're going to take a moment and we're going to answer the question, who is Jesus Christ? John chapter 11, verse 25, and we're going to be kind of all over the place this morning. So here are the moments when Jesus arrived at his friends, Mary and Martha. Martha's distraught because they had sent for Jesus four days earlier because his brother Lazarus died. And she's distraught because Jesus, in her eyes, are four days late. How many many of you this morning know that when God is four days late, he's right on time? Well, I wish y'all heard that this morning because it took me a long time to understand that, that it's not about what I want. When I want it. It's about what Jesus wants. What God wants. When he wants it. Because his plan is perfect. Amen. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's perfect. That's one of our things this morning. He's perfect. But let's see what his friends said Jesus was. We're going to look in John chapter 11, verse 25. And it says this. Jesus said to her. This is Martha. She's distraught. He's four days late. So Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So here's the answer. This is who Martha acknowledges to be the Messiah and the Son of God. The question is, who is Jesus Christ? This is who she acknowledged him as. So just so we're keeping score this morning, Jesus won, everything else nothing. Okay? Not only did Martha know the answer to our question today, but Peter did as well. We're going to look at Matthew 16. I told you we're going to be all over the place, so if if it's hard to flip there fast, as fast as I go, um, we've got them on the screens here uh, in the sanctuary. But Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So we're answering the question this morning, amen, who is Jesus Christ? He is the Son of the living God. He's the Messiah. Just so we're keeping track this morning, unlike Jeopardy!, We don't need two or three adaptations before the network gets it right when it comes to Jesus. We need one. God's only son. There has never been one before him and there will be another one, no one after him. He is the one. He's the only way. Just so we're keeping track this morning. 
However, let's go deeper into this. Now, this is just some of his friends, right? <clears throat> let's look at a heavenly and competent authority. Let's see what the angels had to say about who Jesus is. In Luke, we saw the angel Gabriel come to Mary and tell her something that was just blew her mind. Could you just take a minute? <laughs> My brain is really small. I can't fathom this. Okay. But I'm going to take a minute this morning to say, to think what she must have thought when all of a sudden, here's Gabriel standing before her in all his glory with a message from the Lord. It's no wonder the Bible says at first she was afraid. I'd be terrified. But she stood there. She listened. And Gabriel called Jesus the Son of the Most High. So there's an angel's account. Here's another one. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, there's some shepherds sitting in a field, and Jesus has just been born, right? There's some shepherds that are sitting in a field, and, they, and this angel appears to them out of nowhere, and they are terrified. Again, can't blame them. Can't blame them for being terrified. But the angel says to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. There's three things there. Savior, Messiah, Lord. Are we answering the question of who Jesus Christ is this morning? Let's look a little deeper. And this is the one that really got me fired up this morning, y'all. When I looked and seen what God the Father said Jesus was. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You might remember this as John the Baptist is about to baptize Jesus. And could you imagine being John the Baptist, knowing who Jesus is, and him saying, you got to do this for me. Again, I'd be terrified. What if my hand slipped, you know? I, I accidentally dropped the Son of God while I baptized him. I, these are things, I, listen, this is how I think, okay? Sorry, it's what it is. <laughs> this morning, Andrew's never going to take off again. <laughs> no. But, uh, but just imagine his thought process. What was going through his mind? But then he baptizes Jesus, and here's, here's what Matthew chapter 3 says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Who is Jesus Christ? God's Son. He reiterates this message again in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. He reiterates it, <clears throat> this on the Mount of Transfiguration, and adds a little something extra at the end, and I want you to pay attention to this because this is what got me. He said, verse 5 says in Matthew chapter 17, While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, 
And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is what the part he added, though. Listen to him. Did you catch that? Listen to him. Not only was God acknowledging that Jesus was his son, but he was also showing you that Jesus is authority. He's authority. Why else would God instruct us to listen to him? Because he knew if we were listening to him, then ultimately we're listening to God. Amen? But if all that isn't enough, let's ask the man himself. Who does Jesus say he is? John 14, verses 6 and 7. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. John eleven twenty five says this from the very first passage that we read earlier. Whenever he was going, well, let's reference it back, right? This is the very first passage we read when he was talking to Martha. Who does he say he is? I am the resurrection and the life. John 8 Verse 58 says, Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. He made that statement facing the threat of stones. I wonder how many of us would make a statement facing the threat of stones that support Jesus Christ this morning. It's a question I had to ask myself. Rereading over this, would I bow down to the pressure of denying who Jesus Christ is to save my own backside? And I hope our answer this morning is no. Because the only time Jesus bowed down was to pray. I recall we were talking this past Easter about him praying in a garden. And that was the most, in my mind, that was the most convincing argument, or end to the argument, I should say, of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is love. Because he sat there and he prayed, Lord, if it's your, Father, it's your will. Let this cup pass from me. <clears throat> Did it? He could have called legions of angels. He could have taken himself off that cross. He could have done anything he wanted to do. But yet he chose to die for us. Because Jesus Christ is love. I said earlier that 
the preacher that I heard preach a sermon before, and I wish I could remember his name, said, to truly know who someone is, it's important to know what they are not. And so I started thinking about this when I was preparing this, and I started writing down all the things that I know that Jesus Christ is not. And if you'll humor me just for a moment, I want to read them to you. So I'm happy to report to you this morning, believers and non-believers alike, that Jesus is not dead. He is not a liar. He is not a lunatic. He's not a heretic. He's not an abandoner. He's not a fairy tale. He is not absent. He is not out of control. He is not just some man. And he does not want you to spend eternity in a place called hell. Let's talk about who Jesus is. You want to know who Jesus is this morning? He's the resurrection. He's the bread of life. I could throw all those church language things out you. Because you know, churches, we have our own language. Right? <clears throat> but I want to break it down a little simpler this morning. <clears throat> He's the beginning. He's the end of it all. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He is the lover of your soul this morning. He's my Savior and Redeemer. He is my friend when I am friendless. My mother when I'm motherless. My father when I'm fatherless. He's my doctor, my lawyer, my preacher, my teacher. He's the door. He is alive. And most of all, as long as I got him, I don't need anything else. I told CJ back there this morning, he said, I'm praying for you. He said, I heard you were preaching. I said, yeah, it's going to be short, sweet, and to the point. You're about to see how short. <laughs> Y'all probably beat the Methodists to the golden crowd today. <clears throat> the one thing I want to give you this morning that has become so clear to me over my life, and I could sit here and I could talk to you for three more hours about the things that God has brought me through. <clears throat> But every time I had a question, Jesus Christ was always the answer. You say, well, that's not possible, Richard. What, what if I'm sitting here about to take a test? I know some of our seniors are about to take a test this week, a big test. What if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at that question and... I need the answer, and it's clear that the answer is not Jesus. If I write Jesus, I'm getting it wrong. No, young person. Go to Jesus. He's the answer. It's that simple. You lean on him. He cared enough for you to die. It amazes me, and I'll, I said it last time I preached, I'll say it again. It amazes me that we are so, so, so confident in Jesus Christ's ability 
to provide us with eternity after this life, yet we are not confident in Him to provide us what we need in this life. It blows my mind. And I am guilty, number one. <clears throat> this morning, you may be here and you're like, well, that all sounds well and good, but I really don't know who Jesus is. Well, if you don't know who Jesus is by the end of this, I did something really wrong. But if you want to know him, you have to have a relationship with him. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, let me tell you the, th the two things that are guaranteed. Death forever. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, let me tell you the two things that are guaranteed. Life forever. It's that simple. There is no middle ground. You will not make it to heaven on the coattails of a Christian. You will not make it to heaven on good works. You will not make it to heaven by being a pretty good person. And no, there are no, contrary to other religion ideas, there are no pretty good places for pretty good people. This morning I want you to understand that You look around us outside these doors, and it's a mess. It's a mess. We don't, we don't have a clue what we're doing right now. And I'm going to talk very basic and very general terms, because I don't want to offend anyone. But I am always going to defend Jesus Christ. And folks, our problem right now is, in our society is that we have forgotten that Jesus Christ is the answer. As I was saying, if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. He is the only way you can go to heaven. Without Him, you face an eternity in hell. That's as plain as this plant city boy can say it. Well, how do I do that? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, you're a sinner. You believe in your heart that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Not might be, will be. And I know that was a condensed version because I'm getting convicted right now for not saying it, the whole thing right. But here's the deal. The most simple prayer I ever heard prayed for salvation was, God, I know I was wrong, and I want you to make me right. And I'd be happy, the happiest man on earth, if you would come into my life right now as my Savior. That man did not have to kneel down and say some $16 word prayer. He meant it with his heart. And Jesus came into his life. And no one will convince me otherwise. There's a lot of rituals that we think we have to go through. Um, I'm so glad that Jesus is not a ritual type of person. He's a come-as-you-are kind of God. Amen? <clears throat> Christian, if you're here this morning and you've lost touch with all that Jesus can be in your life, I invite you this morning to refocus. Reconnect with the Savior. Get things in their correct order. There's an order to this life as a Christian. And if we don't have Jesus at the top of that order, then it's wrong. People will say, well, I don't really feel comfortable 
doing what Jesus wants me to do. So I'm just going to stay over here. I'll be okay with just having my salvation and not really doing anything else. Friend, I want to give you a very powerful statement that was given to me one time. Actually, Brandon was there too. But I want to tell you what this is about. Refocusing on Jesus. Putting Jesus at the top of your priorities. Just because you don't feel comfortable with it doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. At the end of the day, it's not to you, for you, or about you. It's always been about Jesus, and it always will be. That was my big pity party this week. I don't really want to do that, God. I really don't. And then Brandon and I got a text message at 9.30 last night. Andrew's sick. It was from Casey. So Brandon and I started talking. Brandon was out of town. I was the lucky one to be sitting at home. <laughs> In all fairness, he's like, dude, I got this. If you want, I'll do it. I'll, and I know he would have. And Brandon would have done a much better job than me. But <laughs> this is what God, I guess, had ordained this morning. So we're going to run with it. Um, <clears throat> but it hit me. Oh, yeah, you didn't want to do that thing I was telling you about. How about you do this instead? God help us. Amen. I was crying and whining, crying and whining because I didn't want to do something that God wanted me to do. And he reminded me that just those things, it's not about me. It's about him. It always has been. Everything I've ever gone through in my life, all the bad stuff, all the ups and downs, the abandonment, the abuse. A lot of you know my story. Most of you don't, or some of you don't. If you don't know what I'm talking about, come talk to me. I'll share it with you. You'll see why I'm the mental health director here. <clears throat> all those things. I couldn't see how God could use, use it for glory. And yet every time I question or doubt him, he shows up. I got to thinking about the thief who was hanging on the cross. This morning when I got up <clears throat> next to Jesus, who asked him if he could be with him in paradise. And Jesus told that man, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you imagine what the angel of the Lord who met that man in paradise must have thought? What if it was a process like we put people through? What if it was What religious background are you? Where did you go to church? When did you give your life to Jesus? What if it was all those things, right? All those questions were being asked to that thief as he walked into paradise. What church did you go to? Well, I, I really didn't go to church. Okay. What good thing did you do for the Lord? really didn't do a lot of good things for anybody. Okay. 
How much did you tithe? Well, I didn't really tithe anything. I pretty much stole. That's why I was a thief. Okay. Well, what makes you think that you can be here? Because the man on the middle cross said I could. Folks, it does not matter what you've done in your life. The man on the middle cross says that you can have heaven. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for everything that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, that you told us that we can have life eternal. Lord, thank you that the way that we do that is just very simple. We come to you with a humble heart and ask forgiveness of our sin. We believe that you were crucified, that you were buried, and that you were resurrected. And Lord, you tell us if we do that with our whole heart, that we will be saved. Father, I am so thankful that you did not require me to bring anything to you but myself. I didn't have to have a lot of riches on this earth. I didn't have to have anything. Nothing that I would have had would have been good enough to bring to you. but you accepted me anyways. Father, I pray this morning if someone's here and they don't know you as their Savior, that they would come and meet me this morning, that they would just come and bring themselves just as they are. No expectations. Lord, we just want them to understand that you're not expecting anything from them just to come and let you be their Lord. And you'll take care of the rest. Father, this morning I pray if there's those here this morning that are just heartbroken, I pray that you would just lead them to this altar this morning so they could pray and meet the person who can heal that broken heart. Father, as Christians, we sometimes get on our high horse or We get off the path or however you want to put it. And Father, we need to refocus. I pray, God, if there's someone here this morning who, like me, had to refocus this week, that they would take the time now to do that. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to call you our Savior. Father, all these things we pray in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen.